Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cheats, and you are listening to the Black Baseball Mixtape, another edition of Mixtape Talk. As always, the Black Baseball Mixtape is brought to you by the Family Podcast Network. I'm really excited about today's episode because I have with me David James. David is the Vice President of Baseball and Softball Development for Major League Baseball, you may have heard of a little program that's been around, I want to say, for nearly two decades now, uh, the RBI program. David oversees the RBI program and all of MLB's grassroots opportunities. D- David, welcome to the mixtape. Teach, thank you so much. As I said to you earlier, so excited to be with you today. Been following uh, your podcast. Uh, you, you speak a lot of truth, so. Again, it's a big honor to be with you today. It's an honor to be with you, and I'm I'm really, really excited to to learn. And I want to tell my audience and anybody that's listening, I'm considering this a really awesome learning opportunity because oftentimes you hear about RBI, you hear about grassroots programs, you hear about Major League Baseball and their involvement with youth development, and I think – you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think a lot of people hear it, kind of make a judgment, a blanket judgment about it, and they don't really know as much as they may think they know. They may not know as much of everything that's going on. And David, you have been involved with Major League Baseball at this level of youth development for over 15 years. And it is just an honor and an op- an honor and an opportunity for me to learn. So let me start with this. Let me ask this question and get it out of the way <laughs> because I know um, I know this is a question that the audience always wants to ask anybody at Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Do we feel as if Major League Baseball, when it comes to programs like RBI, when it comes to grassroots development, and you're right in the thick of it, leading a lot of it, are we doing all we can do to encourage diversity, encourage youth development in inner cities, to encourage young black and brown people to play the game? And I know folks will say you're biased, and of course you're going to say this, but but I'm going to say absolutely 100% yes. Mm-hmm. Um our department, baseball, softball development, we are a department of 25 people. When I started in the commissioner's office uh, in 08 and was hired to be the director of the RBI program, there were two of us. Our department under Tony Regan's leadership, we mm-hmm. are a department of 25 plus. And we talk about, we do it in regards to making sure everyone has access to play every day. And I also want to shout out the 30 major league clubs and what's coming 120 minor league clubs internally, maybe not externally, but internally, everybody talks about youth participation And how do we grow the game and specifically grow the game in communities of color? It is a universal goal for everybody within baseball, and we're committed to it every day. And and, and I get it. The draft players, the collegiate guys, that's really important. But 
what's happening in communities and neighborhoods. And the, probably the best way I would describe it is the base of the pyramid mm. is wide and growing. We could talk a little bit more about Absolutely. the higher end kids and getting to the top of the food chain, but but there's work to do, but everybody is committed to access for everyone to play. This is a great, let's start with the base. Because you're right, we can talk about the, the end result or the top levels or the most elite uh, you know, players playing in the pro level. Mm -hmm. But I think, and I've always thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, initiatives like RBI was about the base. Getting mm -hmm. kids to play, getting kids access to playing. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you've been doing this for a long time. Talk to me about the evolution of RBI, that idea, and how we are getting more kids. Because I think more kids are playing now than ever. Right. And obviously, a lot of credit goes back to the late, great John Young, who started RBI in South Central. Uh, it recognized years ago that there was a lot of drop off, especially in Southern California, in regards to African-American kids being able to play. And when they started it with John and Major League Baseball has had a long term history with Boys and Girls Club of America, one of our official charities. Um, so when RBI first started, it really was sort of outsourced mm -hmm. through Boys and Girls Clubs because they have access to all of those kids and primarily they have the access to them in the summer for summer camp, things like that. I think what you've seen evolve over the last 10 years is the commitment of the clubs now and understanding it. And, and let's be honest, you know, is uh, the mindset changed a little bit about travel ball and pay for play, uh, you know, major league baseball, like other companies, they're a for-profit. You know, mm -hmm. so clubs said, well, hey, how do we get into this space and, and the training and things like that? And, and one of the things that, you know, we were charged with doing is to grow more leagues and give more opportunities to play. You know, if, if you talk about the game itself and you've had these conversations mm -hmm. with folks, kids aren't going to get any better if they don't get enough reps. Mm -hmm. And the for-profit model obviously impacts communities of color, impacts communities of lower incomes and, and things like that. So from a grassroots side, one of the things that is key for us is to facilitate league play and make sure kids play games and more specifically kids get their reps in. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of conversations here that youth league play has become a spring mm -hmm. program. And the kids who get to play the rest of the summer are the travel ball kids. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it doesn't matter what your ability is. It's, a, it, it's determined on whether or not you can afford to play travel. And so what we try to do is to make sure that our partnership with clubs or in particular communities, that they have a summer program that kids get an opportunity to play spring and summer ball mm -hmm. without necessarily having to worry about the pressure. Did I get picked on the trap for this travel ball team? Or more importantly, can I afford to play for this travel ball team? Not to say that, you know, baseball needs to be free all of the time, but let's make sure it's reasonable and let's make sure everybody has an opportunity to play, whether they're good or they're not good, but they just love the game and they want to be around it. That's a good point. How does RBI deal with 
Because it's not, you're right, it's not apples to apples. It's not direct competition. But this emergence, especially over the last 10 years, of travel ball and elite, I've seen it in, in some communities diminish high school play where mm-hmm. kids don't even want to play on their high school teams or their mm-hmm. middle school teams because they've got their travel ball. They mm-hmm. diminish Little League. Little League is a sec- almost a second thought mm-hmm. as opposed to the travel ball. As RBI as an organization, as you somebody that's been around the game, what is the counterbalance, if not like direct competition to something like, is it more summer camps? Is it more like opportunities for for players that may, like I said, may not afford it or may not have the skills to get the reps they need? In, in simply put, it's, it's playing the game. If mm-hmm. you look in, and this applies because we're also in the softball space too. Yep. But it's but the if, same. It's almost yeah. worse than softball. Yes. But, <laughs> but if, if, if you look at every level of play, high school, collegiate, minor league, major league is all predicated on a regular season. Mm-hmm. You have a schedule of regular season games. You work out the kinks. Some days you go four for four. There's three or four games that you're over 12. Mm-hmm. That's part of the process. And that season prepares you for the tournament, the competitive, the, the playoffs, depending on what you call it, mm-hmm. based upon what program it is. But what what, in my humble opinion, what's been missing is the importance of regular season play. And the kid at eight or nine only ever plays right field and he gets his six defensive outs and his one at bat. And that's it. Never has an opportunity to move to a different position to learn another position. Isn't necessarily getting enough at bats to be able to recognize pitches that are coming. It's the first time he sees a curveball, he's ducking out sure. because he hasn't seen it enough to understand to to wait for the break. So, with a lot of the programming that we do with RBI, we are purposeful that we start later than everybody else so that we're not stepping on toes of other programs, but typically our leagues will start regular season play in mid June. Mm-hmm. And it, in, especially in the older divisions, juniors and seniors, they're playing double headers Fridays and Saturdays to qualify for tournament play, but they're getting regular season reps in. And that's something that we've been pushing with the clubs, pushing with our independent leagues, you know, we're a free program. You don't pay us anything mm-hmm. to be part of the RBI program. And, you know, the resources that we try to help you with is to make sure that everybody has an opportunity to play. We always talk about there are a lot of kids that we see playing football, playing basketball, and they say, you know, I used to play yep. baseball yep. for for a minute. And, and we wonder sometimes what made them switch to the other sport. Was it cost? Again, as I said earlier, is it, you know, they just didn't get enough reps to refine, to, to, to chase that next level. And as a result of hearing some of these stories, and we always want to focus on just play regular season games. We do have a competitive tournament component, which folks want to get in. But what's most important to us is just get your regular season games in so that those kids get more reps. I often ask that exact same question because by the time you talk to minor league players or pro players, one of my favorite questions to ask them is what was your experience like playing 
as a youth? Did you play with other uh, kids of color? Did you play with other, you know, community based? And one of the things that I don't know, I think it's a cultural thing, especially in our community, where if you have a really good athlete and that great athlete is playing baseball, it's he gets pulled at or she gets pulled at and says, hey, how come you're not playing football? How come you're not playing basketball? And right. it's a, and it's a, it's one of those challenges where um, the kids that I, I see that are in the pro ranks, a lot of oftentimes they will tell you, oh, I played on a on a youth team, eight, nine, ten other black kids or kids of mm-hmm. color, black and Latino kids. And because there was that strength in numbers, it was actually cool. It was culturally mm-hmm. acceptable. Like, oh, they're on the Monarchs. They're on, you know, mm-hmm. they're on this team. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was easier for them as they got older. Obviously, as they get older, the numbers start dipping. Yeah, but by that point, they're labeled as the baseball guy, and that's cool. Like that guy's mm. gonna go. I often see it go the other way. If if it's a, a youth kid who may be really talented, but it's uh, they might be the only you know the only person of color on their team. Then that pull of why aren't you playing baseball? I mean basketball. Why aren't you playing football? Why aren't you box boxing? It's just easier to be like, all right, forget this. And right. it's like it's it's there's so many reasons, but I, I found it fascinating that that youth experience, David, matters so much to a lot of the players I talk to. And and, and and this isn't a knock, but what happens, and it seems to be a sentiment currently, is we get adults, and specifically as we're talking about the black baseball experience, mm-hmm. we have black coaches mm-hmm. who have identified a group of 14 kids and they identify them at seven. And and they ride with them <laughs> over the over the years. They get them into college. Some of them are getting drafted and they're playing professionally. But the downside of that is for those men who committed to provide baseball play opportunities in their particular community. They focused on that fifteen. Yep. And when they do their job with the fifteen. Some of them go back and start over, but some of them look back and go, well, the cupboard's bare. I'm yeah. out. And, 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 and that's to my point earlier about Absolutely. summer play. Just mm-hmm. it, And sometimes it's going to be ugly, but, but they're not going to get rid of the ugly if they don't get enough reps. And, and that's one of the things that, that we've really decided to focus on, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. is what can we do to facilitate regular season games? And, and, and the reason we focus on this now is the pandemic really shook the tree. And those, and you know this, those who had resources and money, mm-hmm. they played because we know a lot of the travel programs were going to the park and rec departments. Yep. And they said, listen, we'll pay for maintenance. Just give us access to the field. Mm-hmm. Well, the kids who lived in that neighborhood, and more often than not, it's a black or brown neighborhood, those kids can't get on the field. Mm. But those that were doing the travel ball stuff, no. they were the ones that were getting on. And maybe that group saw a kid or two, mm-hmm. you know, warming up or something before. And they go, well, come on, we're going to scholarship you. But in, in our argument is, and, and baseball's commitment is we want to make sure that everyone has access to play regardless of your socioeconomic factors, things like that, that we want to facilitate plays where you can just get out there and play the game. 
if you were to be asked, because I'm going to ask you, what do you think the general audience doesn't understand or maybe a misconception or a, um, or a misplacement on a program like RBI? If they're like you, again, you're on the inside, you've been working this, and I know you have talented staff and talented people that are, are lifers working mm-hmm. on this aspect. Mm-hmm. For people that are, are only see what's on the surface, Mm-hmm. And they look at the total mm-hmm. numbers, like we're saying, of of mm-hmm. pro players or major league mm-hmm. players, and may even have an idea that, like, oh man, well, this we've been doing this for twenty years, and it's not mm-hmm. necessarily yielding results. What is, what would you say is the biggest misconception or misunderstanding about the RBI program? That's for the poor black kids, <laughs> which which isn't the case. It, no. it is it is a program to facilitate play for underserved communities, underserved kids. But at no point did we say uh, we're not going to let the league in Bowie, Maryland, mm. you know, in the, the families, they work in the government, things like that. Mm. We, we want them to play. Uh, one of the things that most folks don't know, and, and we talk about this internally, our biggest demographic of who plays in RBI, uh, the, the biggest group is Hispanic. Mm. they play it's in their culture and they continue to play and early on there was a little hesitation from them and from us are we a good fit for Mm. each other but once they had this understanding of hey you know this is a major league baseball initiative and if you happen to be in a major league club market you're going to get other resources and help and I think that's that's the thing, that there's a lot of opportunities, especially if you're in a major league market. And as we move forward, maybe a minor league market, mm-hmm. it's in their best interest to also help facilitate play. Because quite honestly, we're a for-profit business. They want them to be the next generation of fans. Mm-hmm. There's 25 of the major league clubs that either run the league or they're heavily involved in the day-to-day operations. And so for those kids, they're wearing the club jerseys. They're going to camps and clinics with former, sometimes current players. They're in the ballpark a lot watching games. And we have a responsibility in this office as part of it, not just to play the game, but to help grow fandom of the game. Uh, the other thing, you know, you start to get into data, uh, COVID was good for us that, you know, we moved away from paper registration and moved to digital registration. Right. Okay. And so we can track, you know, their participation in different programs. And we're starting to see that a lot of these kids, once they get in there and they start to play a little bit, then they also see, hey, well, in my club market or at the youth academy in my neighborhood, then, you know, they're doing a, an outfield uh, clinic and they're doing a pitching clinic and these kids and their families now are are starting to see other ways that they can approach the game and, and enjoy it but maybe more importantly the biggest thing for us for those of them that have the ability utilize your playing as an opportunity to get your your education paid for mm-hmm. you mentioned growing the game and that's a big stickler for us at the mixtape it's a big stickler for me um I, I am challenged. I will be the first to admit <laughs> that I am challenged by the lack of black fans that I mm-hmm. see at both the major league and minor league levels. 
Um, and in, in some ways that does translate a little bit to the youth level. Um, sometimes I'll go, you know, we have several little leagues in Richmond, Virginia. I, I coach at one of them, but I go to quite a bit of them. And even just some of the fan bases uh, of the, just the different youth programs, I think makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. How, how would you suggest given your given your experience how do we grow the game fandom wise at every level for for black communities and black families in my humble opinion it's it's an issue in how we treat each other Mm. overall Mm. um obviously i'm a little biased working at little league now working at major league baseball you know if you're not going to be the umpire, if you're not going to go out there on the bases and do it, if you're not going to call balls and strikes, then give the folks that are doing it, give them a break. <laughs> they're, they're not they're not getting paid a whole lot. And, and, and we see this when we go to, to some of these events. The kids are looking at the parents and going, shh, <laughs> just let me play. But and we talk about but this that too. does affect other other people like if they see uh you know behavior that is is not something that they you know that they're enjoying enjoying it takes away from the enjoyment of being a fan at the game and and at the end of the day folks need to realize that the kids hear you Mm. and the game is hard for them so just support them applaud win lose make a great play, make an error, say, hey, you're going to get it the next time, and just let them play. Mm. Simply put, just let them get out there and work through it. Because, again, as I mentioned earlier, I think sometimes parents forget, you know, hey, very rarely are we going to see a kid that is a stud automatically out of the gate. at the pro level and we do presentations with kids all the time and talk about batting averages and to, so that these kids understand bat and ball sport is hard. And, and, you know, if you do three fifty, you may get in the hall on that. That's seven out of 10 and you're still going to be fine. And a college may be interested in you with that. That's awesome. David, let's switch gears a little bit. I'd mentioned your vast uh, history working uh, at MLB. You mentioned you worked at Little League before that. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you (laughs) fall in love with the game? How did you fall in love with the game and have such a passion for the game at a youth level? Because you've been seeing the game at that base of the pyramid for many, many years now. How did it all happen for you? Yeah, I'm born and raised in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, the home of Little League. Uh, And we played every sport. Uh, I was never any good at baseball. Never. But, but, <laughs> and, and I'm very open about it. It's a hard uh, game. It's a hard game. David. It, it's, it's, it's a hard game. Uh, and I was, you know, right field, left field. Um, but that's what we did. And, and we loved it. And we traded trading cards and things like that. I, I tell our interns, we've just got a new crop in for the summer. Uh, my first ever paying job i was the official scorekeeper of newberry little league in williamsport pennsylvania and i was 16 years old and i was the official scorekeeper and that kept me 
attached to the game. And lo and behold, here I am 40 some years later and I'm actually working for major league baseball. And I get that question a lot. Did you play? I I did a little, but I wasn't any good, but I loved being around sports. Uh, The street that I grew up on in Williamsport in the black neighborhood, uh, there's a gentleman named Pat Wilson who is the chief operating officer, the African-American chief operating officer of Little League. He hired me to be the Mm. assistant director for the East region in Bristol, Connecticut. And that's what sort of started my career. I'm biased, but I tell kids all the time, there are so many job opportunities within Major League Baseball. And I'm sure Ty has told you the same Mm. thing, you know, from, from, financial, from marketing, from sponsorship, from game ops. There's so many opportunities to work within baseball, and it's expanded even more now with the 120 minor league clubs that are involved with this. So I'm always an advocate for young men and women that, listen, if you're looking for an internship this summer, and maybe it's marketing, Mm -hmm. uh, apply to Major League Baseball. Because not only the commissioner's office, but all of these clubs are looking to hire young men and women and specifically diverse young men and women. So that that also then impacts the fan base. Who were some of the players and teams that you fell in love with as you started your journey in baseball and started following? Who were who the, the guys for you? Well, always a Yankees fan. Uh, what and, out of out of what, out of Williamsport? How did out of Williamsport, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I was I was more of a Dick Allen fan. Yeah. I know I know yeah. his son Richard Jr. very well. He's oh from wow! Uh, so was always a fan of massive of fro, right? Massive yeah. fro. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when <laughs> he'd come you. into one, he'd come into Williamsport because he played uh, oh. at the minor league team in Williamsport. Oh. So, yeah. So it's it's that um, I've met some in, incredible people, both on and off the field. I have a very close relationship with Dave Winfield, mm-hmm. spent some time with him, got to know him really well when he came to Williamsport for the World Series and we nice. got to know each other. Um, I've been at, I've been at this long enough. I mentioned to you offline before mm-hmm. Julian McWilliams, who mm-hmm. is the beat writer for the Boston Red Sox, uh, who is out of Harlem, New York City, made it to the Little League World Series. One of his teammates was Alibe Barkley, which is Saquon Barkley's older brother. Um, So I've had those types of experiences. Obviously, mentioned seeing Monet Mm -hmm. um, playing RBI against the Chicago kids. Yep, Yep. Uh, a a rematch of that game. So I've been very fortunate. I, I know... And again, I'm aging myself, but I remember Todd Frazier yeah. as, as a 12 year old. Yes. Was that Jersey? It, yes. Tom yeah, Jersey. 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. Tom's from New Jersey. Yep. Yep. I remember a uh, championship game. If, if For those that are listening, if you remember that team from Tom's River, there was a fan who would dress up in a gorilla suit. Oh, and no. whenever they would play, he'd run back and forth uh, on the hill. <laughs> And we had all of New Jersey and Williamsport at that game. And they're all yelling and stuff. But for championship day, and they're playing against Japan, the gorilla has American flag. And he's running back and forth on the hill. And there's 36,000 people there. 
yelling USA, USA. And I felt so bad for the Japanese team because oh, they're geez. scared to death. Oh. A guy in a gorilla suit oh. running around with the American flag and everybody going USA. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. This is great. Let me ask you the last question on this. Because like you said, you've seen so many teams, youth teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many just outstanding players, like you said, players that are at the toppest level of the game. Is there a, a youth team while you're doing RBI or working a little league or so forth that you would consider not the best, but the most memorable team, oh. most memorable journey? One of those ones where it's like, man, I don't know if we'll ever see this again. Um, I'm actually going to go back to the Harlem team. Okay. Uh, that that came a year after the Rolando Polino team. So two years in a row, a team makes it to Williamsport coming uh, out of New York City. In their, I think it was the semifinal game in Bristol, which if they win that, that they go to Williamsport. They're okay. an ESPN game. Yep. I'm working in the Bristol office at that end, and I'm sitting with Harold Reynolds, I believe. And uh, one of the kids on the Harlem team, I can't remember which one he was, but he gets in the box and he calls a shot, points to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the Little League structure, you're not really supposed no. to add, you know. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> you're doing too much. And you see, you 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 hear some cat calling and stuff like that going on, but the kid hits a bomb. Looks like it's going. It hits the yellow fence topper and comes back in. The problem was the kid thought he hit the the home run the whole way, so he's not really getting after it. It oh. comes back in, and if you remember correctly, he was safe, but he had to hustle a little bit. But literally, he called his shot. That's crazy. That's crazy. They they. Those Harlem teams, I do remember both years. Uh, I just, you know, we talked about Harlem. We talked about Jackie Robinson West. We talked about, obviously, the Monet Davis. There's just so many memorable, memorable, mm-hmm. you know, experiences that come from that. And it's just such an awesome thing, even working with uh, RBI, to see so many kids and so many mm-hmm wonderful wonderful leaders i'm sure you work with and players at such a base level couple couple things i want to ask you before we get you out of here because you had mentioned the partnership a long-standing partnership with major league baseball teams but you also mentioned a fairly newer partnership with minor league baseball teams you said it's about two years old and i just just hearing it i think that is a a rate like an opportunity that is limitless because you mentioned yes. what, 125 teams or something that are looking to be involved with youth baseball. Correct. Um, as part of this one baseball now with major league and minor league being one entity, uh, we've been working last year and really kicked in this year uh, talking with a lot of the minor league clubs and finding out, you know, what's the youth landscape like. And as you can imagine, we hear from a lot of them that it's travel ball. So we've been working with 10 minor league clubs across the country this year to facilitate summer play and specifically looking at kids seven through 12 who didn't make the the local league all-star team aren't playing travel ball. Either they weren't selected or, you know, they just don't have the resources to pay. 
And we're giving those kids an extended season. And I mentioned this earlier, a lot of these kids that maybe their dad wasn't the coach or, you know, they haven't grown into their body yet. So, you know, they're sort of stuck in the outfield and never had an opportunity to put on the catcher's gear or, you know, play the infield. And so these clubs are facilitating summer play. Now, the benefit for the minor league clubs, too, is what they're saying to these kids and these teams. Hey, we're going to support your team, your league there. We want you to play. But, hey, don't forget, you can come to the minor league club, you know, and, and watch those kids play also. And minor league clubs, this isn't a knock against the major league clubs, but minor league clubs are a little bit more flexible that maybe – you know, Wednesday of next week, while they've been playing at the local field at the Park and Recreation Department, but the minor league club may let them on the big field that day. Sure, it, it I, doesn't happen at the major leagues, but no, and, and I can't, I can't speak for uh, every organization, but I'm we're so blessed in Richmond, Virginia. We have a Double A Eastern League team here, the Richmond Flying Squirrels. That I mean, my eight year old son might as well be a member of the staff at this point because they're right. just so great to they're right. so great to him. They're so great to all the youth that come. And and it is I like that's why I I, I wanted to mention it specifically because I do think that one, they're in locations where major league franchises aren't, and they have players at a level where it's uh it, it's it is a gravity pull. Mm-hmm. On every major league player, every person on the 40 man roster. And it's, it's, I, I do give them grace because it's not, you know, they, they're professionals at, at the highest level. Right. And there's this pull there. There's a pull at the major league level, but it's not this universal pull. Right. Like there's, you know, in minor league roster, there may be four or five guys that right. are kind of identified and those are the ones that are everybody's going to swarm for autographs and so forth. But there's a lot of other guys that right. want to sign every autograph and this, cause it may be their only opportunity to sign autographs or right. play catch with the kid. And so I, 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 I just think that that partnership as it grows and it'll continue to grow and, and, and start is just awesome. It's just such a great opportunity. In, in the minor league clubs, and not to say that the major league clubs haven't, but the minor league clubs have really leaned in mm. uh, to do outreach to the African-American communities. Mm. Uh, they're doing a lot of work with churches. That mm. is something uh, at the height of the pandemic that first summer when we weren't doing things. Um, we partnered with a number of African-American churches here in the greater New York City metro mm. and some of the play ball weekend bats that we give away since we didn't do play ball weekend. We went to the churches and, get, oh, and, very nice. and said, listen, we know you're doing food outreach, you're doing backpacks, you're doing COVID testing. If you remember, they were doing voter registration. Sure. So the bats that we were going to give away for play ball weekend, we gave them to the churches. And said, please add this stuff as a result of it. Um, some of the engagement that we've done with black churches now has sort of borne some fruit. So there's a, an AME in Jamaica, Queens, in New York that we did over the last three years. We did four play ball events with them, which is 90 minutes of fun and loud music and kids running around. But us being committed and keep coming back to them, they finally came to us and said, okay, we get this. We want to run a league now. 
And and they said, and we talked about it internally, just like the, you know, the, the, the parish members volunteer to do other things with the church. The church is now asking them, hey, will you volunteer to coach in this mm-hmm. league that we want to run? So sometimes it probably more often than not, it's not about wins and losses. It's, it's about helping these kids grow and have experiences and show them what role models is while they're playing baseball and softball at the same time. Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't say it better. Uh, Cause that's exactly what it's all about. Uh, and because if they're having fun, they're going to like the game. They're going to continue <laughs> to follow the game and not everybody's going to be <laughs> Mookie Betts or Tim Anderson. Right. 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 But, but if they can, if they can love the game, they can, you know, it, it, I think it's a win all the way around. I, I, I got to ask, because one of the things that we've seen in the media, especially over the last year, is RBI's kind of partnership or principal sponsorship with Nike. Um, tell us a little bit about about that. It seems like a new endeavor. Is that yeah. something where ultimately RBI and Nike have gotten together to help support the effort uh, across the country? Talk, talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, we obviously have the larger partnership with Nike. You see the swish on the major league uniforms. Um, and one of the benefits of this relationship and Nike's commitment to help us grow RBI is going to help us get uniforms mm. on these kids. Um, <laughs> look, I just got in a little bit of heat talking about these City Connect unis. So I'm, look, I'm backing out of this, David. I'm backing out of City Connect. I got a City Connect hat on right now. <laughs> but the kids want to wear that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. And and they're watching that and they're posting. Um, but but Nike has really committed to helping us grow the program. Uh, for those that haven't been on the RBI website, mm-hmm. uh, you see there's profiles right now. We're going through this process of profiles of RBI leagues across the country, and they're telling us a little bit about what they're doing, who they serve. So I'd recommend for folks to go to MLB.com backslash RBI, and you'll see some of those stories about leagues in, in Indianapolis and in Houston and Dallas. There's some others that are going to be put up there really quickly. But Nike really wants to support bat and ball sport. And and I call out bat and ball sport because softball is a part of that, too. We get that push a little bit. But you guys are baseball. Why are you supporting softball? Mm -hmm. Well, I mentioned earlier about the downtime when COVID got us to move over to digital registration. When we look at the data now, overwhelmingly, the parent that signs the child up to play baseball or softball is mom. Yeah, no, so, absolutely. It makes it makes complete sense to me. It's a, it's, yeah. it's never, uh, but that that is that is amazing. I'm glad because I I'm also always challenged with, you know, again as as people challenge Major League Baseball about what are what can be done. Are they doing enough? Mm-hmm. I often challenge, uh, you know, sports sports companies or people that are I I think benefiting from connections to the game in ways that are. Uh, you know, like what are they doing to give back to youth and give back to the to the least of these and, and lower income communities? And when I saw this, I got really, really excited because this is something I think, uh, it, you know, Nike's universally cool in our culture as well. So I think it also helps that it's cool and they're giving back and they're supporting baseball and ball and bat sports. Yep. And, and we are starting to see, as are a number of clubs now, uh, internships throughout the summer are kids that are RBI alum. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Uh, and, and we've got a young man working with us here who came through uh, the Chicago White Sox program, but played aces, but also played RBI too. Mm. And now he's working with us uh, this coming summer. The assistant director uh, at the, the Rangers Academy in Dallas is an RBI alum. So we're starting to see. That must feel great, David. Yes, it that does. must feel it's great. Feel a little old, but it's, <laughs> it, it, it's important that, that that's happening. You know, <laughs> must feel. It's serious. I am. It must feel great to yes. see people go through the program and now come full circle and either back in a professional professional capacity, even volunteerism, but just to see them have so much love and respect for the program that they would come back and give their time and their energy and and sometimes careers. Yep, absolutely. David, I'm going to get you out of here on this. Uh, and it's going to be a fun one, I think. I usually ask any player that I talk to, whether they're a position player or a pitcher, if they could face any pitcher living or dead, who would they dig in the box with? Who would they face and why? I'm going to ask you a different question because you told like you told me about your baseball history. So I'm going to ask you a different <laughs> question. If you could play catch, just one round of catch, 10, 15 minutes with any player living or dead who do you play catch with who do you throw and chat it up with um i'm, I'm gonna do two things if i could no, absolutely. Uh, no, number one on the professional level it's definitely hank Aaron. Uh, and 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 i had multiple opportunities to meet him uh the nicest man mm. uh I, I just loved being in his presence Hearing him talk, uh, you know, would be around him and hearing him talk to other people. I just thought that he was a, a, a great ambassador of the sport. Um, probably number one would be my father, who is is no longer alive. Mm -hmm. And my dad was one of those guys who worked really, really hard, didn't have a whole lot to say, at times struggled to get out. You know, what he was thinking, how he was feeling, especially if it was something emotional or sometimes, as he would call it, touchy-feely. You know, that was tough for him. But we could play catch. And when we'd play catch, you'd find that he would open up mm. a little bit more just from that process of playing catch. And, and listen, as I got a little bit older in my teenage years, knowing that he enjoyed doing that, Mm -hmm. That was also an opportunity maybe to ask for something that might be a little bit <laughs> controversial <laughs> at, at the time. Sure, my sure. Already said no, sure. But my dad was happy because we were playing catch and he was in a good mood. And so, hey, here's here's my window to ask. So it's those two at the, you know, at the superstar level, it would be Hank. But personally, you know, I always enjoyed those games of catch with my dad because ultimately that was a platform that allowed him to express himself a little bit more. David, that's a phenomenal answer. I'm going to leave it there. You've been you've got so much going on as we move forward. I mean, obviously, this is really, really game time for, for you and, and all of the of the folks in development I know, I know just because you told me you're headed out to Seattle for All-Star Weekend. What are some of the big things uh, RBI-wise or even grassroots development-wise that people should be on the lookout for? 
Well, obviously, All-Star Game is coming up in July in Seattle. For those that are watching, please come out to, to Seattle. If you're there locally for play, uh, Playball Park specifically, that's what we're responsible for. One of the things that we're responsible for, uh, there's a free portion to it, but for leagues and organizations. And if you're interested, my email address is david.james at mlb.com. If you're in the Pacific Northwest, and you're looking for, hey, how do I get into play ballpark? Feel free to reach out to me. Uh, the other thing that I will call out from an RBI perspective, uh, our RBI program in Seattle, which is run by a brother named Buki Gates, they are hosting the West region. Um, this year, it's probably been about 10, 11 years since they've hosted the regional tournament. So All-Star Week and then hosting the regional tournament the weekend after is going to be a big boon for a lot of the black community that plays baseball in the greater Seattle area. Excellent. Well, we will leave it there. Make sure everybody follow MLB RBI. You'll be able to see it, look it up. They've got just a wealth of information and some fun things too. Some, uh, I think you called a mound visit interviews. They're just really, yep. really good things on the website. So ladies and gentlemen, please check that out. David, thank you so much for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, this is another episode of the Black Baseball Mixtape Podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, pass it on to a friend. Uh, we've got wonderful interviews like this one with David and, and much, much more on the site. So until next time, we see it.